So yeah, welcome to another episode of Echoes on Air. Uh, excited to be back after the live event, right? Because like I'm just trying, we're still trying to like catch ourselves. Like we did a thing, so I'm yes. excited to be back. <laughs> and, An like, exciting thing, thanks. but also a very draining thing, it especially a- <laughs> for our producer and host. <laughs> It was a thing. It was a thing. But we're recovering. Recovering is awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, So, yeah, I'm excited to be back. I'm excited to do another topic with some people that I know and love and hold dear and whatnot. So um, we're going to go ahead and get started and get into it. Um, Today's topic is about LGBTQ plus Christianity. I'm going to go ahead and shout you out. While you go over, because I was like, "What do we title this?" And she put the little, she put the little uh, plus sign for yes, the plus, plus with the plus. Yeah, I was like, "Look at you, come on, girl!" So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, Trish? <laughs> Hello. So I am Trish. I'm not really sure. Um, I am an African American lesbian, cisgender, cisgendered lesbian, and um. I'm fam. I try to. I'm also an activist, so I try to keep up with all of our additions. <laughs> right, right. So, hence why we have the plus plus. I'm not going to say that I, you know, always understand every single layer, but I respect it and support it. So, yeah. Sweet. And I shouted you out first, but like we have a whole co host slash panelist this time, I guess. So, oh, well, oh, hi. Yes. Hi. My name is Christopher. Uh, I am normally your co-host, but I happen to be uh, uh, not only uh, queer and uh, grew up in the church, but I worked for a church which will not be named for like years. <laughs> so uh, rural church and uh, real queer, and uh, I, I guess if we're if we're doing the full explanation, I am a cisgender bisexual black man. I I don't know if there's other things that I should put in that phrase. Middle class. Okay. No. Uh, I'm not going to go through every identity category. Uh, I also tell everybody that I am a writer, director, producer, editor, just about anything you can think of with like media and stuff, but mostly I get paid to help other people do that. But right now, I'm actually doing a little bit of that myself for our illustrious producer slash host who has an upcoming play. If you're in the Dallas area, you want to come see it. Uh, and your boy's doing some video work for it, too. So look at that. I'm actually doing things and not just helping other people do it. Yay. <laughs> okay, that's me. My friends really will listen. My friends will plug me. That is the best. Listen, okay, I'm, I'm, and, and speaking of plugs, shout out to the Commission Radio Show, to Ed right. Gray, because he, he, that's the plug master. He is the guy. I saw him just a few minutes ago because, you know, he is, like, related to me. <laughs> <laughs> Mayor. What well, with him being, like, my actual father or whatever. But that's cool. Yeah, shout out to him because, yeah, he holds us down on a regular yeah, he taught basis. me how to he, he taught he me did. how to plug. He I was, picked up that torch. I said, "Oh, that's how you do it." Okay, I got you. <laughs> Cuz he is not playing games. Let's go to Christian. Well, uh well, thank you for having me back. I am Christian Watkins. Uh I am a gay black man and in the church, in the church, in the church. Um <laughs> Yeah, we'll just leave it at that. And uh, yeah, I'm uh, finishing up at Perkins School of Theology this this May, and and progressing on forward from there. Um, yeah. 
All right. I feel like we're going to get to some of these in the churches and these yes, because there was so much loaded into in the church, in the church, in the church. Um, So I feel like there's multiple layers. There's multiple layers. I feel like like we're going to dig through some of those. There's a lot of contention. There's a lot of issues that I have to come up against as being in the church and in the positions that I am. So, yeah, it's not anything foreign to me to speak about these issues. And, and And coincidentally, um, last month, <clears throat> I actually uh, worked with a PhD student out. Uh, I forgot what school he's from. Um, forgive me for that. But uh, he just interviewed me on his doctoral thesis about the same about the same subject matter. Nice. So being gay in the black church. So and yeah. that is a thing. Yeah. I imagine that is a layer of things, at least from what I have heard from talking to my black gay friends. I have heard that that is an additional layer. Miss Lauren. Hi, guys. I'm Lauren. Um, I grew up around here. I'm a gay woman. Uh, I grew up Mormon. And uh, that was not fun coming out mm, at, as a yeah. Mormon at BYU. Not not fun at all. So, yeah, that's that's about me. That's, <laughs> that's me. BYU is Brigham Young University, Yep, right? that's it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, uh, that is a, a like... Mormon 99.99999% Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm really looking for like that point zero zero. Oh, you find the person? No, that, like, what does that person look like? Everyone I knew who wasn't Mormon was uh, Muslim. Because, yeah, and they were all in my Hebrew classes. Like their parents wanted them to come to the U.S. to get a good education, but they wanted them to have a very strict structure. Right, and BYU, like there's no drinking, there's, you know, there's no premarital sex, all these things. And so it was very similar in some aspects. And I imagine they were probably a little more accepting than like, say, Liberty University. Yeah, probably. But everyone, any time someone met that one person who's not Mormon, they were like, oh, hold on, let me try and convert you. And I was like, can we just let the person be? Like... No, right. no, apparently. <laughs> no, of course Actually, not. Actually, no. Prostitutism um, is a thing. <laughs> the, huh. I mean, that's um, what Mormons do, right? Knocking yeah. on the doors. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to, I want to preface um, this conversation um, because I, I charged Chris with something uh, very specific. Um, and solemn. It's true. Because I said, you know, um, my experience um is non-existent with this particular topic. And I wanted to make sure that, you know, my, I think people have heard me say on a regular basis, it's important to not usurp people's stories, like not to tell other people's stories. This is not mine to tell. Um, so I, but that being said, uh, part of uh, Echoes is not only about having the conversations, it's about um, learning and teaching others how to have the conversations. So um, a big part of that is actually um, knowing that you are often, obviously we can't speak for everyone, but you are often a welcome participant in the conversation, but that does not necessarily mean that you are meant to usurp such conversations, and this is a way to learn to have that. And so I have told Chris that if I ever do anything outside of asking questions or clarifying questions, that he is allowed to not only call me out, but on air. Um, because it's a learning process for me as well. Now he's laughing. I'm laughing because it's so it's so solemn and serious. It it's cool, and I think. But I really love what you said about like it's it's about uh, modeling the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also an opportunity to model like what's a healthy, beneficial way to kind of check somebody without being like you're a bad person and you hate <laughs> the gays. Dude, you're oh. horrible. More like 
hey, listen, I've heard that a lot, but actually, like, we try not to, or hey, like, I know you said you were going to focus on asking questions this time. Um, that wasn't a question. You know, <laughs> you can find note. nice ways to say that. Side note, that wasn't a question. So, um, so yeah, so let's, like, let's hop into this. And I don't know, is there a place that you guys want to start? Like, because we kind of touched on little bitty things, um, and... This one, I didn't have, like, a particular um, direction um, because I was trying to be more, like, backseat. So is there is there something that you would like to start um, off talking with? Like, maybe something that's often misunderstood or maybe is there something about the topic that, that people tend to veer to but it's not really about that or... Or are they veering to it because that's exactly what it's about but it's being misrepresented or anything like that? Well, I would like to lift up the issue of sin. It's something that the church and that people have a hard time dealing with, have a hard time discussing, have a hard time understanding. And if if anyone ever says that they have a correct or a have they they have a you know an accurate, a succinct view of sin, then question them on that um, because it's it's. It, it's still, it, it's an issue. It, it's, it's, for me, the, my basic definition for sin is anything that breaks community and is against the will of God. And we know that God is love. We know that God calls us into community with each other. Um, and we know that one sin is, is no greater than another. Um, but the sin, but one of the sins that the sin that people classify homosexuals or the LGBTQ plus community as being sexually perverted, right? So we all know that the gay community does not hold a monopoly on sexual perversion. And if we want to break down sexual perversion, that that means for me using someone sexually for one's own self gratification without regard for someone else, right? Like, uh, say for instance, I, well, I, I got an itch. I'm going to find somebody to scratch it with and don't care about that person. Right. So, and we see that in, you know, uh, heteronormative circles a lot. Right. Oh, yeah. We see, you know, men taking advantage of multiple women. We see uh, in polygamous societies, multi- men having multiple wives and abusing, not caring for those women. Right. right. We see it the opposite way, too. We see uh, women that, that take advantage of men. But at the same time, you know, uh, people don't talk about those issues. They're swept under the rug. Right. Those are not seen as, as bad as. Right. Yeah. Right. And the gays are often. And I say the gays in a, in a loving term, <laughs> right. uh, in the loving way. The, the gays are often the scapegoat mm-hmm. because we've been historically pushed out there on the outskirts and whatnot. But we got to realize as church people, I mean, speak, I, I, I don't dare speak for the church, but at the same time, church people should understand that we should be looking to see God in every person. God, God divinely created everyone individually and, in, and uniquely. And with their, with their nuances, flaws and all, God is inherent within us. And the way, in the moment that we do not, that we fail to realize that there is a, a, the divine presence in, in, in someone who does not look like you, that's when we fail as humans. And I'll stop there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I just, oh, sorry. I just don't see homosexuality as a sin. And that's just me. I just don't think it is. But, I'm tired of it being, oh, your sin is worse than 
my sin. Right. And I, I always hear the phrase, like, love the sinner, hate the sin. It's the most craziest. But I've never heard it, <laughs> I've never heard it used to any other sin except homosexuality. Right. Right. And I'm like, why, why are we focusing on this one? Like, right. we're all human. We all sin. So why are we so hyper-focused on this one? Why are we so hyper-focused on the way this person sins and not the way that person sins? I dare to say that that is a classical thought pattern. That's, that's the way we're, clas- we're classically trained. I mean, uh, to, to divide um, society into different categories. And if you fit in one box that is classically known as being um, a, a, a sinful group or a, uh, a group that does not fit into the norm, the, whatever the norm is, you know, then that person does not deserve respect. You understand? You, right. You yeah, get what I'm saying? Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, classical thought, you know, uh, for me, it fits in with colonialism. Fits in with capitalism. I mean, anything does not fit in with the main, with the status quo is a problem and it has to be demonized. That's how they treated blacks. You know, in, in colonial uh, development of the world, you know, there was the institution of race, uh, uh, the human construct that was meant to subjugate others under those who are white male rich landowners, right? So everything that came under that, everything that was that was determined to be less than was demonized. Yeah. But look how far we've come. Why can't we go a little bit further? <laughs> and why do you think that that that's the conversation that's had? Like, why do you think what like what would you that that phrase rather that what is it that hate the love, love the, the sin or hate, hate the, the sin, sin? Right? Why why do you think that's the phrase that's used? What like what's because it's easy. It's easy to use. It's easy to hate somebody rather than try to understand them. It's easy to ostracize someone that you don't understand, that you can't, that you can't, you know, uh, well, empathize with or what have you. People try to use that phrase as a way of subjugation. No, as a way of, 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 of trying not to ostracize a person, trying to say you can still be a part of this community. But still, you know, safeguarding the community from your gay cooties. But that's the point, right? <laughs> but that's still ostracization. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. You can't. That's, yeah, it's, it's kind of like the most answer to that is like, well, that's like saying, if you, it's one thing to say hate the sin and love the sin, which is it's, oh, opposite. Hate the sin, love the sin. Yeah, yeah, whatever. It's, uh, it's like saying you as a black man, oh, you got, you got yeah. a pretty voice or you're, you're, you're very articulate. Oh uh, yeah, right, 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 yeah. It's a very nice way of saying a very mean thing. Um, what you mean? Black people can be articulate. Shocker! You mean the gays also, can be people? For those who don't know, if you're learning, that is not a phrase that a lot of black people enjoy. Oh, yeah. please stop. <laughs> I mean, I get it, but please stop. <laughs> but no, I, 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 I do want to give people credit. Oh no! Oh, am I going to be the token like, like? conservative defender here no i don't want it but <laughs> however I comma to, I, I i do want to give people because if nothing else um love the sinner hate the sin can be a way station on the way to acceptance it can be a place that people can go and it's a you know this is um there's a sex advice columnist called dan savage who always talks about how like the sorry the um superpower of the of the gay rights movement is that Whereas you're not going to just pop up with a black son if you're a white person. You are just going to pop up with a gay son as a straight person. You are going to pop up with a gay daughter. Like, you just don't, 
you have no way of predicting it. And so all of a sudden, these people who have held these beliefs their entire life, and the easiest thing in the world was to hold those beliefs, all of a sudden that's difficult. And they got to find somewhere to go. Because I can't stick with, oh, anybody gay is unnatural and strange and Some evil. do. I Some do. Like That's the reason Dallas has one Some of the highest do. population of, of gay youth. Homeless. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And because think, yeah. our churches push it so hard. But yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. And I think it all circles back to kind of like your first question to an outline about um, what the main struggle is of the LGBT community. So it's this idea of, you know. You know, they always throwing this Sodom and Gomorrah thing at us, which oh kind of circles gosh, back to what you bullshit. were talking about with, <laughs> you know, you know, no, it's really about dominance of others and just it, Sodom and Gomorrah, there was no love happening there. It was right. not about love. It was not about like embracing your community. And Everybody I was think, out for themselves. Mm-hmm. And so right. I think that's, you know, that's, that's our, that's one of our struggles is that, that whole them not interpreting the Bible correctly. I mean, not to say there, you know, I'm not a, you know, Bible expert, but at the end of the day, I do think that that is a misinterpretation. And there are Mm -hmm. so many um, different, um, even religious groups that, you know, have claimed to that, that that's a, you know, misinterpretation. And Mm -hmm. people who are very, you know, I guess, quote unquote, religious that say, okay, for that particular thing, that's a misinterpretation. And I think even as someone who was raised, um, I just always laugh when I think of um, the fact that I was raised raised Church of God in Christ. You know, it's this thing where it was kind of engraved in me that that was bad. And so even when I, you know, started coming to realize that I was, you know, a part of this community, it was very hard for me to embrace because I was just like, oh, my God, along with everything else that's wrong with me, I'm just going to go to hell and blah, blah, blah. Totally and, and, feel you, know, you on that. You know, and just having a, you know, even having a mother that's saying, okay, you know, you're going to go to hell essentially like and you know she and she and if I come out and just say it directly of course it's this indirect situation of you know like well you know what the bible says and you know what God says and if you don't obey you know you're going to go to hell but having a hard time even just coming out directly and saying it and having a hard time just even having conversations with me about you know the bible and about you know what does this mean and what you know so it's just this you know constant struggle of you know feeling unaccepted and also feeling um misunderstood but then also you know not even being able to go back to you know those people in you know even in your family and say hey this is my struggle and them understand because in their mind you know you're going to go to hell you know and so even if you're a good person you can you know give to the poor you can um volunteer you can you know try to you know help as many people as possible and i think you know that's definitely you know describes a lot of people in this room you know do everything you can to help another person but at the end of the day you're still a homosexual and so you're still going to hell Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and so i think the biggest struggle is that and then also i guess my take on that is at the end of the day you don't have a heaven or hell to put me in so you know it's just one of those situations (laughs) where you don't you know you can't tell me you you can't do it. You can't take you can't take me with me with you. Like for my mom in her mind, it's like, oh, I'm responsible for your <laughs> salvation. You know what I mean? I'm responsible for you going to heaven or you going to hell. And that's just not true. Mm-hmm. That's a you know, that's that's a there is a, it is a fact that you cannot take me with you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you didn't you know, I didn't come in this world with you, but glued to your hip, I'm not glued to your hip every other day and you can't take me with you. So it's just, you know, it's layered and of course those things go way deeper but i have to oh go ahead no i think another struggle though is that people seem to think that we chose this Mm -hmm. then i'm like i chose to live authentically i chose to be myself i never chose to be attracted to women Mm -hmm. i mean 
if I was 17 or 18 again and I was coming to realize that I was gay, like if it was a choice, I would have chosen to be straight. Now I love who I am and mm-hmm. I'm totally okay with it mm-hmm. and would choose to be gay because women are awesome. Yes. Uh, very, that's but, another very true thing. Like, <laughs> younger, when I was so indoctrinated with what the Mormon church said, right. I Totally but why did you make that choice? Why did you why did you originally make that choice to to fit in to to fit into the normal, you know, society? Cuz I didn't like being ostracized. Like I lost okay. so many friends. After mm-hmm. I came out at BYU, I guarantee you 90% of the people I knew from BYU don't talk to me anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's ridiculous. I'm like nothing about me changed. Like I'm still the same person. Right. Something that you now know about me changed. The way you view me changed. But nothing about me inherently changed. But it, it, I, I want to challenge you on that. <clears throat> because when we're in the closet, we try to fit in. Yeah. And we can't live our full authentic self. But when we come to the knowledge of ourselves and when we have the audacity to live as our authentic selves, then something does change within us. We become more bold. We become more strengthened to be who who we are, who God created us to be. And some people don't like that. That it that living authentically agitates those who have their own problems that they can't deal with mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. Fair. Yeah. And one of the issues that that um, my sister Trish. over here, mm-hmm. Trish, uh, brought up was that um, if I can simplify it, um, we can't see each other's sacred worth. We can't see the the authenticity the authenticity of others. We can't see the 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 we can't see that others don't have to be like me in order to be loved right so So what i'm waiting for is when are you gonna preach what's in your closet (laughs) (laughs) because i feel like what and, and what you're saying here is what's really in our closet is actually like you said, your own divine worth, who you really are, is in the places that you most want to hide anyway. Loki, I want to be free. Don't worry about it. Um, I don't. But like, kind of. But like, none of the parts where you actually have to like get up in front of people. Can you like be a preacher but only in writing? Is no, that just you can't. a writer. Well, no, like, I'm, like also, I'm just I'm, I'm, no, but like it's also like the style of it, and like it doesn't really translate well to like a trans. Like if you sat down and you read a transcript of a sermon, it wouldn't work nearly as well as an actual effect, sermon. Right. Anyway, unless you have that voice that you had before everybody else was here that you said you I was over talk. here. Um, I was over here doing my preacher voice, <laughs> and y'all said I couldn't do it on the podcast. But then, <laughs> kind of sounds like Bill Cosby. I probably right, blew out right, this. Right, right, right. I probably right. blew it out this mic. It sounds a little Bill Cosby-ish, so I'm not Jack, sure that's the way you want to go either. Bill Cosby and a preacher. I'm kidding. No, but I, I would tell, I would say that if you do have those words that you want to get out, and they are prophetic, and they are and they are in line with scripture, go ahead and start a blog post. Yeah, go that's ahead and start real. A blog. There's a lot of Christian bloggers. I was searching on a totally unrelated, like on, on like a, a CCM song that people were really into that was sort of controversial. And and I was reading all of the blog posts about it. And I was like, this is, there's there's a lot of this out here. It's one of like kind of the few blogospheres that's like really still clicking and really still <laughs> active. It's like economics and Jesus. Right, right, right. It's a two subjects of blog. Because one of the things before I started seminary, I mean, I, before I started seminary, I thought I had a good biblical knowledge, a good biblical basis, I mean, to understand what is in the scripture. But one of the things I've learned about being in seminary, uh, through being in seminary, is that people in general are biblically illiterate. 
we don't understand how to read the Bible. We don't understand the context. We've never been taught the context behind, the full context behind the Bible, behind the various books of the Bible. We have to understand that the, the Bible is, is a collection of books. It's like a library. You can't go to one book and say, oh, I got it now, and then expect to have a full understanding of everything in the Bible. Um, even some of my mentors have said that every time they approach, they can approach the same scripture more than once and learn something new about it every time, right? And if we get to that point where we're not learning anymore, that we don't, that we say, okay, I got it now, then there's a problem, right? Do you think that mm. that's where, because, and and I was going to say when Trisha's talking, and I have pens just to write down questions, but mm. I've been so uh, locked into everything y'all saying, I ain't written anything down. But, um, do you think, like, specifically with what Trish was saying, she was talking about a misinterpretation, specifically about Sodom and Gomorrah, right? So I think what it sounds like you're talking about is either a misinterpretation or a misunderstanding of Scripture. Is that, like, is that what you're believe, you're, like, for the people who are speaking now about this, is that what we're saying? Because that's going to open me up to another question. So well, I want to clarify that first. There are, classi- there are classical thought patterns behind certain, certain issues that are presented in the Bible mm-hmm. um, that have been handed down. And many people, some people, don't do more research to find out or don't study the scriptures more to find out other nuances to the scripture. They don't go back to the original Greek or Hebrew or Aramaic to understand the original words that were used in order to figure out the context for those for those specific words because we know that the ancient languages, um, English doesn't compare at all. Right. Like, there echoes. I, if, if we went back and look up the, the the original you know Greek or Hebrew for, Hebrew for echo, mm-hmm. we'd probably find a, a plethora mm-hmm. of meanings mm-hmm. and how the Bible has been you know manipulated by man, yeah, old white man, mostly yeah, <laughs> Catholic Church old white man. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, the Bible has been manipulated in order to fit a certain narrative in some ways, like the King James version. That is, it's beautifully written, beautiful language. However. Some of the we we know now that some of the translations are actually inappropriate, yeah. right? And and going back to that specific story of Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, that what were the real sins? So what were the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah? There was no hospitality, basically. Well, and then Lot was like, "Here, don't attack these two men, but gang rape my daughter." Exactly. <laughs> like so. So that says that there is a hierarchy of of women have no worth other than what they can be used for, right? right? Like, they just, it's about hospitality, and then there's gang rape. And I'm like, nothing about homosexuality. Like, don't try to condemn me for these things. Like, And I think think that's an even bigger um, issue, too, is the um, issues of how women in general were treated in the Bible and how they were, there was no regard. So if we were not even important, why is it important that I'm even a lesbian? Like, literally in the Bible, there were a lot of times, most of the time, 90% of the time, women's names were not even even mentioned like you you you'd right. have to refer to them you couldn't refer to them by name right so um because they weren't even mentioned so it's just like this ideal that okay um there are so many things the bible says is wrong and you shouldn't do i mean that's just like if i wanted to go back and say okay i can say that you know biblically um slavery is okay you know there are so many mm-hmm. um and it was used it was it was yeah, said yeah a lot, because it's, the it's kkk the have 
lots of records mm -hmm. that basically um, justify slavery based off biblical, um, you know, scriptures. So I think, you know, and, and of course, you know, a Christian that may be, you know, a person of color is going to say, oh, well, no, that's just that they're interpreting it wrong. But whenever I say that, then it's, it's this beat down of, no, you just don't understand. And, right. you know, all of these different things. One of the things that Freddie Haynes here in Dallas uh, says that oh, I just I love, I, I, this bl it blows my mind every time I think of it, is that the, the text, if you consider the text, the sacred text, without its context, that's a pretext for a con. Do you get that? Mm -hmm. Let me say it again. Mm -hmm. The text without context is a pretext for a con, right? A lot of people have been conned because they don't understand the context behind the biblical stories, the biblical narratives, right? And then women, the disenfranchisement or the, or the, yeah, the, the, the subjugation of women is prevalent all throughout biblical, the biblical narrative. You know, women aren't named in this unless a man names them, right? Mm -hmm. Grateful for some of the voices that have been lifted up by by men. You know, the story of Ruth, the story of Esther, the, mm -hmm. you know, the, the various various women that have been instrumental to man's success, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but <clears throat> I always lean back to the fact that you know, because we are in a new day, and we have a Christ who died on the cross for our salvation and rose again for the resurrection for our salvation, right? It was a woman who carried the word from the womb to the tomb and beyond. It was a woman who uttered the first sermon, the first resurrection sermon that says he is risen. So why can't women be valued more than where they were yesterday, right? So there's a lot of churches that don't, won't even allow women to be preachers, won't allow them to step foot in the pulpit because it's a, it's a man's world. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, because right. I've, I've even had, you know, men just basically even just kind of to the situation where it's funny almost to them that, oh, if I say I'm a lesbian, it's like, oh, it's a play thing that you do. Right. You know, like it's like a, you know, when men do it, oh my God, they're going to go to hell. But I've had men tell me like they, and not so many words that they think that men who are gay are going to go to hell, but women who are gay, that's just like a play thing that you're doing. Like it's nothing you can actually be doing that is saying right that you you know, and, and, and on top right. of that, you're not really, you're not really even having intercourse, right? Because right. They're, in their, in their mind, it's not real sex because there's no penetration in their because mind. So, everything is so, you know, so it's just one of these things mm -hmm. where we're just, you know, constantly, um, pushing different, you know, ideologies on people and just things that are engraved in you when you're younger, even things, even I still struggle, I think, to this day with things that are being engraved in me. I think everybody does to a certain extent. You may not even know that extent, like think, oh, I'm going to go to hell because of this or, oh, I'm wrong because of this or, you know what I mean, no matter how good of a person you are. So I think, um, and I think even just these ideas that, like, for me, I think I'm a feminist in my mind. And so, but I am very much, you know, submissive as well. Like I am completely fine with cooking and cleaning and taking out, you know, and, also, and, and doing all these things that I people have, you know, kind of said are binary things, you know what I mean? Right. But I also am very, I'm, I think I consider myself high femme, right? Because I also can be very dominant as well. Mm -hmm. I can also tell you, okay, um, no, that not today, you know, <laughs> you know, have several, you know, seats, you know, so I think, <laughs> and, and, you know, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. So I think, you know, it's just all these things that are engraved in us because of, religion and we don't even realize it um that just affect our day-to-day -day. so I, I i'm sorry i'm gonna interject just because i could be i could be feminine or or whatever i also feel like people want to say like oh um 
I want to, what was it you just said? Like, I, I'm a feminist, but... And I would get real mad about that whole feminist thing because I'm like, right. right, so I could be a feminist, but my personality doesn't mean that I want to be, like my personality can be, I am just naturally a more submissive person. That's just my personality. That doesn't, right, it doesn't mean that I'm not a whateverist, but that's just my personality. I mean, that's, one, that's also one of the intrinsic flaws of feminism mm-hmm. is that, you know, feminism only goes so far. I, I, I love my feminists. I love the feminists that I know that, that mean well, that do work in the community, that advocate for all people, but at the same time, the, the core of feminism did not include black women. Listen, we that's on that's a, that's, whole, that's a whole on, different conversation. That is and it's legit yeah. on the list. Like, yeah. am I wrong? It's le- it's legit on the list and I already have people and listen. That's listen. And, and if you want to talk if you want to talk about feminism versus womanism and, uh, and No, no, no. I got I got no. some people who can, who can come in and I got I got some names for you. I listen and I will be and look, we just we just cast the next episode just that quickly because yeah. because yes, it is, is it about abs- it's abs- is, is it on feminism and womanism, or it's specifically on feminism, but it was about feminism versus black feminism. And side note, if you're gonna do something about feminism, feminism also doesn't include typically like trans women are right. excluded because there are people <laughs> who are redefining redefining feminism too. Yes. And I and I hope that you know, they um, curate like lots of texts and articles and things that people can refer mm-hmm. to pe- new people growing up who want to learn. I think too. Circling back to our conversation, yeah. I think um, we really need to raise children. I don't have any children as of yet, but I plan to raise children who are very inquisitive and teach themselves. Um, you know, like don't just take my interpretation as the only interpretation and um, of anything, and but especially of the Bible. And so I think you know, and, and just encouraging them to be very. Just like I said, be very inquisitive and like look um, for other interpretations. Um, read, uh, um, you know, other texts from other religions. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, just like overall knowledge and, and just gaining that knowledge every day. And that actually brings me back. I swear, I've tried to ask this question like nineteen times, and I just never quite get to it because there are just so many other good things that you're saying. So that does bring me back to to the question in terms of misinterpretation, where we're talking about people who are, for example, taking a text, like you said, it's something that's been taught and retaught and retaught, but it's being taught the same way, right? So like, if you hear a pastor preach, especially, you know, I grew up in the same church, you know, for like legit all my life. My mom was 15 in that church. So um, like, if you hear the same pastor preach, now, Granted, our pastor was pretty dope, so that's <laughs> shout out to Pastor Holmes. Um, he is the leader, the truth, the light. The Thank you, man. He's the go-to. Like if, if for for a lot of people, if you go to the same church, you're gonna get the same the same type of sermon, right? You're gonna get the same, um, especially if it's somebody that you've you've known for all your life or or what have you. So you're getting the same message, or you're in the same type of community that's consistently teaching something. like a particular message, how would you, how can I kind of, okay, I grew up with people who did not view the queer community or the LGBTQ plus community, um, or they did view it as a sin, okay? Super traditional conservative views of homosexuality. Over the years, they have changed, and I think it is with interaction with this community. You mean the, people can change? It's amazing. Good Lord. It, 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 I know, it's it's shocking, but it happens occasionally. I saw it with my mom. My mom changed. Right? Yeah. Ah, see, okay, so we're going to get to that, right? So 
See, so so in saying that, right, people obviously are are changeable people. People um, can can grow in certain ways. For people who may be listening to this podcast, who yes, evolve. Thank you, because I do words, but not well. For people who may be listening to this podcast, and we're talking about the misinterpretation. For them, they're thinking, no, this is the scripture. I've read. This scripture, whatever scripture it is, y'all want to pull out because there are some, and I know that there are go-to scriptures for this, but whatever those scriptures are, they have read those specific scriptures, and and they have read those words. When you're saying things like, look at this from a different, a different point, right? When pastors can look at scriptures several different ways and come at it from several different times, to that person who may be listening, what can they do? Do you know what I mean? Like, they've, they've, They've seen the same scripture. It's like, I've seen that same color. It's been blue all my life. Like, how can I now look at it and be like, so maybe? Well, um, one of the things I believe in doing is calling people's attention to the things that they are already applying interpretation and context to. Mm. So, for instance, um, there is a verse in Matthew 29 where Jesus talks about how it is easier for a rich man to enter, it's easy for a camel to enter the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, Right. And all my life, I've heard loads of explanations for that one Mm -hmm. and how it's perfectly fine for us to be up here in Plano with all this money in the world as other people are, like, starving. And that's fine because we apply context and there's a whole story about how, well, actually, in the first century, there were cities and they would have really narrow openings. And so if you were riding into the city, you'd have to get down really low. You'd have to humble yourself to get into the city. And it's like, really? You're, you, you, you can reach all the way back to the first century for an explanation of how to get into a city, but you are not interested in reaching back to the first century for an explanation of, like, Roman pederastry and how it is very different than contemporary homosexuality in America. Right. And the fact that, that the ancients did not have a, did not have our understanding of homosexuality. Right. 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 They had no concept of, of gayness back then. Right. Because there were multiple, there were multiple classes for men and for women and what, in, as far as sexuality is concerned. Right. Right. And, right. Which goes back to truth, right? Like, how can you apply it today? Right. Like, so that might be their truth for, <laughs> Uh, un, um, you can't even count how far back that goes. Um, that might be their truth for then, but what is our truth for today? If stuff is not even structured the same way, like completely different structure, how is that? How do we apply it today? And, you know, I think more importantly, you know, why is it important to you? You know, why is my salvation important to you? Like, I kind of want to know that, you know, I guess for even more so for, I guess I'm spiritual more than Christian. I believe in God and I do, you know, attend church and things like that. But I think for me, I just always wonder, like, how is that important to you and how does that help you or affect you? Um, you know, as long as I'm, and I keep using this good person thing, which I hate, but you know what I mean? But as long as I'm not harming you or others, you know, I think sometimes religion can be used to show love but sometimes it can be used to show hate and one of those things that we need to do is figure out um a way to either balance it if you don't agree or to just show love you know i would say that um for me for this christian mm-hmm. whose name christian <laughs> your faith i mean your 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 salvation is important to me because we're in this thing together. We're in this thing called life together. Mm-hmm. And I want to see you on the other side. Mm-hmm. You know, when we get to glory, I want to be able to, you know, say hi to you, you know, mm-hmm. and live in the good graces of God, in the presence of God mm-hmm. then. So, but 
truth be told, I mean, we, we live in community for a reason. We have to work out our faith with other people. Right. right. Um, and when we start to close down and, and segregate ourselves from other people because of their differences or whatnot, that, what, that is not, for me, that is not my understanding of the will of God. Right. Okay. So, but, but here's the thing. I think there's a difference, right? In what you're saying and trying to make sure that we're in a community of people who are loving and respecting and, um, being there for each other and, 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 and being, and, and in being controlling, right? Because right. a lot of people are, you're just trying to control me. Right. Most, you know, most people who are anti who I am as a person, they're anti because they want to control who I am as a person. Well, that's what re- that's what religion has done. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the religious institution even, is, is, even is, when, is formed mm-hmm. to even be controlling. Even Catholicism, right? They were, they were like, you have to be Catholic. Right. You know, like you have no choice right. but to be Catholic. Back, you know, in those times, Catholic you have died. no choice but to be Catholic. You have no choice but to believe that you have no choice but or to. Or you have no choice to be Protestant. Or mm-hmm. you have no choice but. To, and and so I think, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, I understand it in the context that you're saying it, but that is not the context that's right. used. So and, and and people believe that in their heart that that's what they're doing and in their head that's what they're doing, but they're not. And so how do we kind of teach them to do it in that way versus, yeah, I don't want to live in a whole world full of people who are jerks. You know what I mean? I want to ask then, uh, based on that, because I think... I would say the first step to that is teaching someone how to recognize it. So how would you teach them how to recognize it first versus how to show it? Like, what would you... How do you... What, I'm sorry, recognize what? So, so she was saying, how do we teach people to come at it, like you were saying, from a place of love or, or like to realizing mm-hmm. that the difference between it being controlling versus... What would it, what was the word that you used before? But it's you were saying they're using it to control you as opposed to I don't know. I don't know really form community or be, For community, you know, yeah. yeah. And I think I think so. There how are do certain... you teach people to know that? Because you said sometimes people think that they're doing this in their head, right? And so what I think is is what you're saying is is their thought is they think they're doing the right thing. So for the person who may be thinking I'm doing the right thing, what are some self-check things? Like what would you say? Treat me the way you want to be treated mm-hmm. until you no. learn how to treat me. I mean, I have to teach, you know, love me my, the way I want to be loved, but until you are able to do that, love me how you want to be loved. You don't want me pointing out every little thing that you don't like about me or that you think is not a good thing. But on, you know, on the transverse of that, if it's something that's hurting someone or hurting community, for example, you know, before I became monogamous, right? It was one thing for my friends who um, mostly at that time were straight to say, Trish, you're not treating women properly. Like you shouldn't date multiple women and maybe not, not, even if you're letting them know, right? But you're still knowing that they're believing something different. That's wrong. That's mean to do to people, right? Versus saying, oh, you shouldn't, you know, date women at all because it's a sin and you're going to hell. You know, like that's a real... Low totem kind of explanation, but you you know. But that's really great because one is really about like how are you treating your community, versus and the other one is about like do this because I told you to do it. Right, right, right. Christian, you seem to disagree with the treat people how you want it to be. You take issue with you know I I I understand it. I I, and I understand the 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 idea behind treating people how you want to be treated. Uh, But some people don't know how they want to be treated. Some people don't know how how to love. Mm-hmm. Some people don't know no some some people don't know what it means to love and that kind of thing. So yeah. so it, it it I I do believe in that. I do believe the fact that you are supposed to be, treat people better than yourself, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think that is the aim rather than treating people 
me treating somebody how I would like to be treated. Right, right. Because it's how different I from know how and I, to be treated. Uh, right, and right. I definitely, yeah, and I definitely get that. I think, but even if you just kind of think about, and as I tell that to people all the time, and they always, and it's always, it always bites me in the butt, like you're saying, because it's like, okay, they may not even know how to treat me. So I right. get that. But I think, you know, in a general sense, because that also kind of circles back to tolerance is not acceptance, right? right? You know, like you just because you tolerate me or you, you know, because you think you're doing a good thing by tolerating me because you think that's how I want to be treated or you mm. think that's how you want to be treated. Um, but, if, but if we go back to the Bible, you know, we were given Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. We were given other uh, other Levitical laws and other 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 uh, uh, regulations that were passed down from God to Moses and, and, and to the people. People and whatnot, but then Christ came. God obviously figured out that you know humanity just sucks. <laughs> just don't do it well. We we don't do it well at we all. Don't do it well. <laughs> so Jesus came and showed us how to be right. Jesus showed us how to speak up for the ones for the women who don't have a voice, and to actually advocate for others who who have been subjugated and who have been overlooked mm-hmm. right he he reached out i mean he he showed us how to touch people who historically or who culturally could not be touched right the the untouchables the the ones with uh, leprosy and skin diseases that kind of thing jesus told us that we should love ourselves love, love our neighbors as ourselves but good love god first mm-hmm. So all that love, love. If if it does not, if it's not, if it's not centered in love, if if your explanation cannot cannot exuberate exuberate love, if if your if 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 your chastisement, if you don't like something of mine, if you don't like something I do, if you can't come at me with a loving way in a loving way and point out how better I can be because of those issues that you see, if you can't do that in love, then it can't be done. Yeah, I think it, it's no benefit. That's a good point for sure. So I kind of want to shift a little bit, if you don't mind, um, about uh, to your experience specifically. To you, Lauren, um, only because you, I'm not calling you out, but because you mentioned something about it. And I kind of want to work our way into that, if you don't mind. Specifically about your experience. So one of the questions that I'd had um, that I kind of wanted to discuss with you all is, was there ever a point in which you questioned yourself with respect to your religion? And I'm thinking of it specifically within the context of your family unit. And I don't know if anybody had wanted to go first. Well, what but do like, you, when you say question yourself, do you mean like, do you, did I ever question like, my understanding of religion because yeah but you should question your understanding of religion like all the time regardless Fair. but like like do you or like do i question the religion my parents taught me i think what brought this question um was more about my conversations with lauren because we've had several uh conversations on religion and and she has also been a great contributor to the blog so if you're listening to the podcast make sure you go over to the blog she's got a couple of um articles there as well my and and actually trish said something similar to it a little bit earlier my question is really coming from your understanding of i guess where you fit in within your religion and then how that interacts Mm. with your with your family. And I'm I'm asking that question specifically based on in all honesty, I'm trying to pull something out of you <laughs> on on air because you've already said something about it and I think it would be helpful for people to hear. I know that you've talked a little bit about like 
your struggle with specifically being at BYU. And you've also talked about your struggle with like how that evolved and how your understanding of Christianity and understanding, like you said, that you don't believe it's a sin and that you, you know, like how did those things evolve? How did your relationship with, with religion evolve alongside with your relationship with your, your mother? So, I mean, I don't, I mean, first, I don't think I have a place within Mormonism anymore. Like, going with what the Mormons say, that they are, they believe that they're Christians, I'll let that stay. Like, they believe in Jesus, they believe in the atonement, blah, 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 it's fine. Um, but I don't think that I, as a person, have a place within the Mormon church um, since coming out. Um, and my mother has been really good, like... My mom always thinks that she's the bad guy in my story, um, which I don't think she is. And I don't mean to villainize her in any way. But it goes back to when I was like 17 or 18, my mom made a comment that if she had a gay kid, she'd kill herself. And I was very closeted. And I was like, ooh, not going to tell my mother. <laughs> gonna, gonna. Not only am I in the closet, but now all the locks are right. locked. Right. Like, we re-fortified right. the closet. Really the, the locks coming. are on the inside instead right. of the yeah. 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 Right. But um, my and my mom doesn't remember making that comment, and I I'm sure she you know like didn't really think about it. It was just she wasn't comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. But when I finally did tell my parents, my mom was kind of like, yeah, we kind of knew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, she basically. <laughs> but I only told my parents like four years ago. Well, why would I was. You say that if she kind of knew. Okay. Well, whatever. yeah, I was almost thirty when I told my parents. Okay, so you know, a long time mm-hmm. had passed, and within that long period, my mom had been like, "So are you?" And I was like, "Let's change the topic right now because I'm not ready How to about talk about yeah." Let's not talk about. Um, but like, it's nice to see my mother's evolution. Like now, she's very compassionate. Now she fully embraces me like she loves me she's loved the women i've dated like she it's not like i i I know some mormon people who are like oh we love you and you can come over but don't bring your partner Mm -hmm. my mother will gladly bring like whoever i'm dating in like yeah come come over like we'll have a family dinner told not an issue Mm -hmm. but it took a long time to get there (laughs) so you've seen your mom evolve into a better version of herself that is more more communal in nature right I like also into a better version of that doesn't mean you're changing, you're evolving to a better version. And that's what we all should be yeah. pursuing, right? Like, I yeah. mean, I'm sure my mother still believes that homosexuality is a sin, but I also believe that she doesn't rank it as a worse sin than others, which I wholeheartedly appreciate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, I mean, the Mormon church used to say, and still kind of does, that uh, if you were in a gay marriage, that it's a, just as bad of a sin as rape and murder. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah. right. that's not a thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not hurting anyone. Mm-hmm. Right. What, um, what about you? Do you think you, did you ever have like some sort of, am I Christian? Am I not Christian? Just because your mother was saying things like, you know, you're going to heaven or hell if whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, and to be clear, I think kind of like you, um, you were saying, Lauren, I, she, she never actually said those things in that way. Um, she was always like this, you know, roundabout kind of way. Um, I mean, when I originally came out, she did put me out of her house. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, and so then it was like a hard, like, oh my God, I know, I, you know, I can't deal with that. Over time, she has evolved. And I think one of the things that, um, I think we as 
um, you know, members of the LGBTQ community have to kind of, because I always am like really big on, you know, tolerance is not acceptance. But I think in the context of my family, I have to kind of put aside, get, get off my soapbox, you know, because I, I can't. I can't like say like a lot of people were very frustrated with me when I stopped eating at Chick-fil-A because in their mind it was this it was about Chick-fil-A and and no I know that they're homophobic I know that they probably don't you know embrace LGBTQ but I'm not going to donate give my money to somebody who's donating my money to causes that are anti me right that's you know that's a whole different thing so you know if that was the case I would never talk to my mother she is definitely homophobic but at the end of the day I have to meet her where she is now she is a lot more tolerant now she is a lot more accepting and I am grateful to be honest you know I am grateful she doesn't want to not have a relationship with me and and she genuinely loves me like she genuinely just doesn't know any other way and so I can't really you know and she's she tries her hardest and it and it's and it's work for her I believe and so I think sometimes I do beat over here with well I mean you know like I remember one time she really wanted me to go to church with her and I'm just like there is no possible way I can step foot in another coaching church I just cannot do it uh, like it's just it's physically it makes me physically ill and I think and I think she can't understand that. Like that, that makes her very upset. And I, and so we have to come to terms with sometimes you have to agree to disagree, you know, but as far as me sitting at a table with her, she will, if I have a partner that I'm serious about, she'll embrace that partner. She, you know, she'll even buy them gifts for Christmas, you know, and that's a big deal, you know, so I think I have to just meet her where she is. Now I won't say that I have that same kind of um, outlook with people who I don't know and don't right. love, right. you know, that's because that's not ask. my, you know, I, that's not my place to, be okay with your intolerance like as you know i don't care about you that much but for somebody who i also just know and identify with because she is my mother it's easier for me to say okay you are trying your best i know for a fact you're trying your best i know where you've come from i know like you know when i originally told you you just you didn't want my partner or me to step foot in your house so i think you know it's a big deal so um you know we're building those bridges i have two questions that i want to throw out on the table and then answer as whoever answers as they see fit. So um, I I wonder if you might talk a little bit more about that feeling of of sickness that you're saying when you step foot into a church, because I think that's also, and and also for you, where you're saying you don't feel like you fit um, in the Mormon church anymore. And And I feel like, I wonder if that might be good for people to hear so that they also see kind of the consequences of however you've been, like what led to those feelings and perhaps maybe showing people like this is the consequence. Like my consequence is not even, like I can't even sit in the same room with you without physically feeling ill, whatever that is. I wonder if you might um, talk about that. And I also wonder what I hear you saying, and I just want clarification is, is there room for grace on both sides? It sounds like, I think a lot of the times I think um, I tend to personally, when I hear these conversations, I'm like, this is my job is to do this, that, and the other. And that almost at sometimes like if I don't do this right, if I don't, if I don't do this right, but it sounds like you're saying also that there is some grace that can be offered from the other side of the person who's involving themselves. If I can just, I mean, no, no, I totally agree. I I just had a comment. Mm -hmm. I feel you. Yeah. I would just say, as far as, and I mean, I would, you know, love to hear what you thought as well, but I just would say that 
there's room for grace. What there's not room for is self-doubt. You know what I mean? Mm. So, like, you can only give that person grace once you're totally clear for yourself. Like, I feel this way about me. When it's like, you know, you can't give people grace when you're when you're barely out of their house and you're still going to go back to that. Like, if I try to give you grace, you're going to end up convincing me that I'm bad and wrong and sick. I see, and I'm yeah. going to be screwed up for weeks over it. Yeah. And I yeah, and I and, and that's a really good point. I think when my when it originally happened, my cup was so empty and I was so depleted from being so just being so hurt that I couldn't I was very, very angry with her for a long time, you know, and I was not even just her, just very, very and then like my, my dad had a whole different approach and so many people in my life had a whole different approach. So I also kind of thought that that was the the reaction I was supposed to get. And so her reaction was just really foreign to me. It was like, oh, everybody else is okay. You know, even though I know my dad, you know, didn't necessarily, you know, believe that it was the right thing, but he also just loves me enough to, you know, to understand that that's not his, that's not, you know, that's not his place to decide he's not going to be in my life anymore because of that. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't feel ill in every church. Um, right. You know, I, it's just, Kojic churches just, they just bring back very bad, you know, memories and vibes from me. Um, and I remember my grandmother, my one time my mom, for some reason, I ended up with my grandmother and I was about to go to church with her and I was like dressed in my school uniform and I had on pants and I remember like <laughs> right and I remember my grandmother being so outraged like how could your mom send you with me to knowing I was going to church with this skirt on and just like making me feel just bad and I, at that point I didn't know you know whether I you know was LGBTQ or not but I just remember just so many negative things surrounding that particular you know type of um That's what church goes. you know it's just it's very it's, it was very hard for me but I do think that there are a lot of there, you know, there are churches that I, I go to a church mostly online now. Um, that I won't say he's like, oh, rah, 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 you know, whatever, but he's also very accepting and about love. And then my sister's church here, um, which is she goes to Wheeler, and I just am just enamored by their pastor, and he's you know, all about love and just you know, and even. You know, even, um, yeah, even further than that, you know, so, um, so that was the, that was the first church I went to when I was at TSU that, um, that started bringing me back around to the idea of even going to church because originally I just stopped going because I just felt so alone and I and I also kind of felt afraid. I think sometimes people don't know what those feelings are and I didn't know until I got older. I felt afraid to go there, afraid that they would beat me over the head or afraid that they might attack me, you know, verbally or mentally. And you know, you know, if your you know cup is empty and that and that and that just circles around back around to like even depression and you know self hate and self like you were saying self doubt. It's like okay. If I give you too much and say, okay, well, you don't mean it that way. You know what I mean? Then it kind of causes these problems in my mind. Because there's still things engraved in me like now that I'm like, okay, well, am I going to go to hell for that? You know, even though I know better, you know, technically. But, you know, it's just certain things well, that I, I just grew up maybe with. It is but right. maybe it is. Yeah, you That's know. what happens when you grow up with it. That You know, the 13-year-old that heard that never goes all the way away. You can preach to her every day, but she's still there. I do have I do have some questions about mm-hmm. about your about your journey. When when did you when did your parents when did your parents discover or find out that you were gay? And it went, and what was your uh, what was your own personal view of? I mean, were you still in the closet? Were you just? I am who I am, and everybody else be damned, and or oh no, how? I was very so. Um, Long story short, I came out of high school, my senior year in high school, and um, and I came out to like 
it, it came out by accident. I was dating someone who was very out and I didn't know and they didn't understand not being out. And so people were like, wait, is that your girlfriend? I'm like, I guess so. You know, and then it was like, so then it was like this situation where now everybody knows. And, and my friends, my sister and my best friend at the time, they were so angry with me, but not because I was gay. They were so angry with me because I didn't, didn't tell, tell them. them. Right. And so I thought, oh, well, cool like that that's the response like i could just tell everybody and so you know i would yeah and i had already originally just um you know didn't think it was you know i I was i i can say i was homophobic for a long time as a child and if if i saw like a you know gay person do something or whatever i'd be like oh my god and you know it was more about me probably wanting to do that than them but i didn't know what that was mm -hmm. in that time or even like it if you admitted it, like you, that, that, that then okay everyone else would know. Yeah. Like I remember, I was a senior in high school, and I walked out of my creative writing class mm-hmm. because she used a clip from Will and Grace, and I was like, <laughs> "That promotes the homosexual agenda," and walked out. And in my head, I'm thinking, yes. like, I was really. Am- we weren't allowed to watch Will and Grace in my house, but I was yeah. like, ooh, I want to watch this. But in my head, I'm thinking, wait, if I show too much interest, everyone will know. Yeah. So I have to, That's like... That's that whole, he does protest too much. Yeah, I actually also, apologized to this teacher. I was like, you maybe not remember. And she was like, no, I remember. It was my second year of teaching. I was like, oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. The reason I ask is because at that point in time, you know, we were unsure with ourselves mm-hmm. and other people's uncertainty or other people's you know, uh, their concrete knowledge about what they know and whatnot causes us, causes us struggles, causes mm-hmm. us trauma and whatnot. And church, and we know that church trauma, church hurt is real. Right. The church has hurt a lot of people. People in the church have, have hurt people beyond belief. Mm-hmm. And it's until like we realize that, okay, maybe we should keep questioning things mm-hmm. and, and learning from those and hearing and listening, like you said earlier, Chris, like actually listening to people. Mm-hmm. When we ask them questions or, or trying to find out more about them, is that when when we start doing those kind of activities, then one becomes more affirmed. Oh yeah, and then and then other beliefs are either confirmed or rejected. And I think for me, a lot a lot of I was so ignorant to like the whole situation because we didn't even talk about it. Like you know, how it says it's like you know so many. Like, it's every 10 people is like a gay person or something like that. I don't know not one single gay person in my family except me. And I mean on both sides. Hmm. And so it was keep never, living. ever, ever, keep, ever. Keep living. Yeah, I know, keep right? Living. Somebody is. Yeah, and, I, and I'm one. sure, but we never talked about it. And it never, and I never actually can say, oh, I think that uncle might be, or I think that aunt might be. There's no situation of that ever happening. And that is, that is, it's very peculiar, Pretty but sure it I also put me in a very weird situation. So, like, when I did come out, you know, it was because because everybody was so upset that I didn't tell them. In my mind, I was like, oh, I've been doing this wrong the whole time. I could have just been, you know, waving my flag and whatnot. Tech, also, all gay people don't do that. I don't Mm-mm. even like rainbow flags. But <laughs> I think, but at the end of the day, this is a side note. But, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, my, you know, my virtual flag I could have been waving around the whole time and then after my mom slapped me in the face with uh heck no then I got several other slaps right after it was very like this ripple effect of oh no we don't (laughs) we don't accept that it was very weird um and to get the acceptance at this right yeah it was a very backwards yeah it was very backwards and very strange um and I think you know and I do think it also really shaped like how I view um 
homosexuality, how I view the church now. And I think, um, and it's unfortunate because I'm pretty certain that maybe, I mean, I'm, I mean, I say I'm pretty certain. I Maybe not all cultic churches are bad. Maybe no, not all not. of them are not, you know, not loving. But for me, that particular church just was kind of damaging. And even when I was younger, I didn't even know things were not normal. Like, to me, everything they did was normal. I didn't even know the difference, really, you know, as a kid. Because it was like, if you ask, it's like, well, read your Bible, you'll, you know, or whatever. You'll, you know, like, you'll, you'll figure it out or whatever. It was never like really explained um just the differences and so when did it's you, always layers when did you, you figure know? out that there was more than more than just the Kojic church not until i went to so i originally before um transferring schools i went to Diller university which is a methodist school Diller. and so um so then you know in i'm Orleans. in the chapel and whatnot and and then they're breaking down different and i'm like what are you talking about mm-hmm. like i'm literally in college yeah i'm literally in college and, and i'm sure other people's experiences probably were different and so I just had to kind of start researching and reading on my own. I still, I always tell people, even to this day, I always tell people, my sister hates this, but I'm like, I'm a baby Christian or whatever. Like, because I I, I definitely believe wholeheartedly, but I, I definitely know there's a lot of things that I don't know. But what I do know is I just want to treat everybody, um, with love and respect and I want everybody to treat me with love and respect and I think if people had that ideal at their core then the world would just be a lot different and a lot better do you think that your age that (laughs) that your age specifically it because I feel like I've heard um of course of course older people in the community can you know their experience is different much like any any generation like how do you think because I I I wonder if even older people think, of course, I've actually heard older people in the LGBTQ community say that you guys have it easier, right? Oh, Just, absolutely. Um, so so would you say that it's easier? Would you say that it's different um, with respect to religion, not just overall, but just respect to... Asian exposure is definitely different. Like my little sister who is... 19, I believe, somewhere up in there. She a kid. So <laughs> um, she doesn't know any better. She doesn't know any different. So, like, in her heart, she knows that maybe my mom thinks it's wrong, but she doesn't think it's wrong because that's all she knows, right? And so she's yes. been knowing, that's all she's been knowing her whole life. Mm-hmm. So in her mind, because I'm a good person, I'm going to heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, and her, whereas, you know, some other people may not think that. Um, and then I think, you know, with social media and all these different things where people can really learn a lot more for themselves. Um, they don't have to necessarily go to a book, you know, even though I do value books still and turning pages, but you know, they can go online and research things and things like that. So I do think that the age and the exposure has a lot to do with it. A lot of things we weren't exposed to because of our age, you know, does that make it better or worse? Different. Just different. different. Yeah. There are certain there are certain nuances in, uh, associated to um, having a wealth of information available uh, to us at at our fingertips. Literally, uh, is that there's so much information out there that we can run into that in our discovery in our in our in our investigation of things we can run into some bad information and mm-hmm. that could be you know in, included with the g- other good information so it could taint some things mm-hmm. you know so like um, we're, we have so much information that we're that. I've forgotten the quote. I'll think about it. But there, there. You have like five good quotes, yo. You can you can chill out on quotes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. a lot of people some quotes. But I definitely you can be inundated with information, some bad and some good. Right. And so, like that, that causes some problems in itself. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, you got to just keep on searching and realize that you don't know everything. 
I would just say relative to time, uh, I came out like super late. I came out when I was 25. And I really am glad that I waited that long. Um, I mean, I do sort of regret not being out in college, but you know, college. But I do. Um, and that's not late. I, because there's some, some older folks. Well, and the thing is, I realized that if I had been born when my parents were born, I would be like some of these older people who, you know, at 55, having already raised a family, they're like, I'm gay I now. have always, like, uh, so I'm gay now. The kids out of the house, right? And like, and the fact that I didn't have to have that experience, I think is enormously like that's like success of the gay rights movement and there's some people that are sexually repressed and living that cisgendered that that heteronormative lifestyle but under the under the sheets and under the cover and back in the back well, of the head yeah. they are they want to have that sexual freedom and that right there i think is what what my, what many people have a problem with you know because the lgbtq community does not mind living its sexuality in public right right or it, it doesn't it, it that we don't we don't we don't, there's certain things that we allow ourselves to, you know, portray that some people think that only should be in the closet. Yeah, right. Well, and that's another thing. So I think, and that's another thing that I think religion, right, like is kind of can be, can make the world a, a very scary and dangerous place with how they view sex in general across the board. Um, they don't talk about it. Right. And Church they, doesn't talk about it. And, I have, and, I've, and I've, I've experienced a few pastors here lately um, that I kind of watch online that talk about it um, all the time and openly. And, and I won't lie to you, I even feel, have moments where I'm like, oh, well, they probably shouldn't have said that. You mm-hmm. know, because I'm just, because that's engraved in me. You know, like, yeah. touch my pearls. <laughs> <Don't forget. laughs> but like, because it's engraved in, right, because it's engraved mm-hmm. in me that you can't say that, like, in church. Not you know? in church, right. But I do think that it's it, it can be definitely powerful and impactful and it can stop a lot of, not even just, you know, um, negative biases, but it can also promote a lot of positive ones. Mm-hmm. Like, I would, I want, as a, as a parent, when I become a parent, I would want my children to see me, you know, show love to my partner. I, I can't really mm. say that I ever saw my parents mm. even kiss, mm. you know, when they were together. Um, and I say they didn't do it, and I say it maybe didn't happen, and I just didn't catch it. But there's just little things like that, like people are like, oh, that's, you know, they're a child, they don't need to see that. Um, yeah, maybe I shouldn't, like, tongue them down and hump them right in front of children. <laughs> but I think, you know, but I think seeing a, like a loving t- touch or right. a hug, or, Show that's affection. really, that's really powerful. Like I can remember, you when know. I, when I was in high school, I had a Dominican priest tell us in class that sex is not just meant for procreation. And that's procreation, that procreate, that procreation, um, uh, uh, that sex being for procreation is the standard teaching, right? Mm-hmm. And, and if we have sex outside of marriage, that's an abomination. That's a sinful. Blah blah blah. Right. So I had this. Uh, I had this Dominican priest uh, tell us that sex is is also uh, sex is a way of us showing our humanity and also showing um, love for one another. It, it, it's it's a form of creation. It's a form of, that it can be a a, a form of glorification to God. If we do it with someone that we're loving, that that if there's a loving bond between them, then then sex. You know, is is a good thing, yeah, and not demonized. Mm-hmm. And then that's one thing that actually blew my mind back in high school, and it gave me an understanding of, okay, maybe the traditional thoughts aren't all they are. 
I wish more people would say that. I wish there are there are kids who are in school right now that need to hear that. Even and it's so weird because everybody feels like we're in this super sex positive culture, by which they mean we are in a sexual culture. We are in a culture where there's a lot of sex on TV. The sex right, frenzy right, culture. Right, right. But that doesn't mean that's that's different than sex positive. That's right. different than the idea that this actually can be not just like Everybody go have fun. Everyone's having sex, which really just makes people feel bad because no one is having as much sex as people are having. On TV. <laughs> I wish I was having as much sex as people thought I was having. Right. Definitely not. Right. 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 And, I, and, I, and I think, and we, and me and Janelle talk about this all the time. There's all these ideas, even about like I date and things like that, but I'm not having sex with everybody who mm-hmm. I date. You know what I mean? So um, now maybe being intimate with them, right, hugging them and whatever. You know, and I think. Uh, it's a whole another what, ten thousand conversations we have around sex meme? and intimacy. Isn't there a meme out there that has like, okay, what people think I do, and I'm, just, uh, right, I'm, right, in, a, right, I'm in a club, right. and, and what I'm I think having I do, all kinds of like, what, what I really what do, I really yeah, what I really do, just sitting on the couch with a bag of chips watching TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That part. for yeah. sure, yeah, right. for sure. Yeah. Like except I, for me with sushi or like Netflix, right. I'm a Netflix. Oh, because we bougie. Hulu. Don't do. We can't just do chips. You know, we got this. I mean, my sushi is the especially at Target. Uh, also, at Target, if you would listen, like to sponsor me, Target sushi is good. <laughs> Target sushi is listen. Right? Well, can I go off something that Trish was yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. That she was saying how like she doesn't feel comfortable walking into her church anymore. That I get that. That mm-hmm. I don't feel comfortable walking into the Mormon church anymore. Yeah. That like, okay, so in 2015, the Mormon church came out with this policy mm-hmm. that basically said that uh, if you're gay and you're married and you have kids, that your kids can't get blessed. Um, or baptized and oh, wow. said that every gay married person was an apostate. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that happened November of 2015. Wow. They just, they just, they just reversed it like two weeks ago. But it didn't oh, go wow. far enough. No, it, no, it of course they not. They said that the kids can be baptized, but right. you're still, but the, but the couple, you're still right. going to Right, no, no, you still yeah. can't be a part of it. But, yeah. but now your kids, whatever. Right. But to me, it's like... They're kind of shrugging it off, like, oh, wait, we kind of made a mistake, but we're not really going to admit that we made a mistake, and we're not going to apologize. Oh, this policy... That, that kind of stuff. Oh, no, okay, but, but that's part of the institution. That's know, how institutions... Yes, but I know people who died because of this policy. Yeah. Like, I have friends who ended their lives because of mm-hmm, this policy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, the way the church treats people, like, literally has been life and death. Right, and but and also, that sometimes some of those people are just not good people, because some things circle around... Not just really what they believe, but also money, right? Just the whole thing with the Chick Fil A thing. It's like, like, well, you can eat Chick Fil A again now. No, because they didn't reverse it because they they've stopped since stopped doing that. So Chick Fil A, you really do have really good fries. So I do you miss the fries. fries. But listen, but listen, but listen. I still, today. but listen, I still have not went back. And the reason is because I don't, I can't respect you, and so I can't give my money to you because I don't respect you. I'll make them fries at my house because the thing is, you didn't stop doing it because. You felt like it was the right thing to do. You stopped doing it because you were gonna lose money. Somebody exactly. literally That's said you cannot come into their town and um, and disrespect LGBTQ community. No, that's exactly and that's why, why I think they, the Mormon they, and church that's why they did that too. Because no, that's for sure why it they wasn't did. Yeah. because they actually care about the gay uh-huh. members. Mm-hmm. And not that I'm trying to villainize the Mormon church. I know no plenty right. of Mormon people who are very nice, including you know like my sister and my parents, whatever. Uh-huh. But I know that they that they know people were stopped like. The numbers of people leaving the Mormon church get higher and higher all the time. Mm-hmm. So, like, they're losing money. Right. So, they're like, we still think you're icky, but you can come back and give us 10% of your money. Right. <laughs> For sure. But, but think about, look at what's happening with the United Methodist Church right now. I mean, right. th- I mean that's been in the news. I mean, yep. we, anybody who has not heard about the United Methodist Church's, you know, issues with, with homosexuality and, and, that was such and, a sad and whatnot. It, you know. Vote. 
Um, basically, the United Methodist Church has been uh, had a general conference this past February um, about the question of ordaining homosexuals in the church and if uh, and and also the language surrounding homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, our book of discipline says that um, homosexuality is uh, not in line with Christian teaching in more or less words, right? And therefore, uh, gays cannot be ordained or married in the United Methodist Church. Mm-hmm. So the question came up again after it was originally presented back in the seventies, no, back in the sixties, late sixties. Um, that okay, w- we know that homosexuals are around the LGBT community the LGBT community is here what are we going to do with it right and for me this was an opportunity for the church to actually realize that the oppressive language does more harm than good because there's a lot of gifted people who are not cisgendered heteronormative Mm -hmm. that the world needs to hear from Mm -hmm. and that have a different perspective uh, that has a more graceful perspective Mm -hmm. of the gospel than some of our traditional thought, right? So anyway, long story short, the the United Methodist Church is a global denomination, all right? That means that we have churches all around the world, and they're broken up into different conferences, into different jurisdictions, into different uh, 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 centralized conferences, that kind of thing. And when the global church got together, and the delegates and the the voting clergy got to uh, vote on the issues, um, there were some very vitriolic language said on both sides of the argument from the pro LGBT community and from the um, very conservative Wesleyan Covenant um, uh, uh, community. Anyone, any time, very conservative, what con- very conservative community within the United Methodist Church. The, the one of the leading uh, forces behind the conservative movement was the Wesleyan Covenants Association. Oh, right. All right. So, like, any time someone can get up and say it is better to it, that it, it's for us to not for us to remove the language or for us to accept gays, it would be better for us to. Or it'd be better for them or for the church to tie a millstone around its neck and be drowned in the bottom and be drowned in the sea. That's a biblical quote. That's the most biblical way to say, excuse you me, should, fuck you. Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty much. Ever better to tie a millstone around our neck. Right. Oh my God. Right. So long story short, you know, the, the church just got together and, and, and because of, you know, there, there's issues that people uh, said that, you know, votes were bought. There were uh, delegates. There was a misinformation campaign, you know, uh, among the African and uh, Asian central conferences or what have you that said that, OK, the one church plan, which was one of the plans that was presented uh, to keep the church together, basically allowing churches and conferences to decide how they want to live out the policies. Um, right. And I think that's important to clarify, because my understanding of it, and correct me if I'm incorrect here, is that. There was not necessarily a proposal or not a major proposal to say, change the rules and say, oh, yeah, we all love the gays. Every Methodist church now is super pro-gay and affirming. It was like, well, either we're going to leave this language in and and bind every single Methodist church and their property that is owned by the larger Methodist church to to the United Methodist Church. I apologize. I know. Exactly. I'm sorry. Uh, Their property that is bound to the United Methodist Church um, to this policy of you must be anti-gay. Or we're going to let people choose. Yeah. Yeah. There were multiple policies. There were multiple proposals that were presented. Um, one was a simple plan when they were, they just removed the language and said, okay, oh, we're all good. Mm-hmm. Just right? take out the language and nothing else. That plan did not go 
anywhere. anywhere. Right. Yeah. And that was most simple. It was the most simple as well as the, in my opinion, the most Christ-like way to go. Just remove the language that was instituted back in the 60s. Right. You know, it's just saying, hey, okay, we realize that you know, gays, they're good. there's some good folks in there. You know, better than the good, fine people that Trump left. Never mind. Um, <laughs> you made a left. You made a left. Correct. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So... <laughs> people that may or may not have been marching for a white supremacist rally, which some politicians may or may not have commented on. Thank you. you Thank you for clearing clearing that up. And I think that 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 brings to, like, there are people who are a part of the LGBTQ community that um, they they have to live closeted. I know one of my friends, she um, was um, a missionary for 18 years and did not date anyone because she wanted to continue being a missionary you know she um and so she basically had to and it might have been more than 18 years but it was for sure a hard 18 years Mm -hmm. right and so um and so she had to literally and then when she decided okay no i have to live you know my truth and um they literally stripped her of all her funding Mm -hmm. kicked her out she was like overseas they told her to go Go, I mean, she had already had went home, but when she was supposed to go back, they said, "No, we don't have any funding for you to go back." They cut her funding. They basically, basically kicked her out of the church um, in a not so you know formal way um, mm-hmm. by kicking her out of missionary and so out of being a missionary. And so I think there are so many people who are forcing themselves to like stay in the closet just because they they because they do love the church more than they love their sexuality Mm -hmm. more than they want to be out and more than they want to be free they want to be you know um, in music ministry and they want to be you know um you know we want to help the children and they want to do these things and i be on the best your friend did not give all that she had into being a missionary and the church was not able to fully uh benefit from her uh authenticity and good graces and I mean, in, in gifts I mean, fully. Yes, because I mean, because when a, you have to hide one part of yourself mm-hmm. to to give other parts away, then then they aren't getting your full self. They aren't getting all your gifts as 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 the way that that God intended. And 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 if Martin Luther King said that it, you can't be what you ought to be until unless I'm what I need to be, and mm-hmm. and and vice versa. So like, if we aren't able to live in our full capacity as our as our full selves that we come to know. Mm-hmm. Then we're not fully we're not fully functional. Okay, Pastor Christian, because I heard it in the. Did you hear it in the? Time? Right, did right. It, to our full capacity. Yeah. Did you hear? Did you hear the up down? Did you hear the up down? <laughs> come on, come I'm, on, come I'm, on, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm, it. I'm, it. I'm, I'm finding my little, voice. We need a little <laughs> organ. We're going I would just, I would also say, you know, every time I hear a story like that, I think about, I was taught, and I went to a Christian high school, and I was taught this apologetics, whatever, and one of the basic arguments they used to, like, prove that Jesus must be, you know, who he says he is, is who would die for a lie? Who would, would the disciples, like, you know, all, just about all of them die terrible, bloody deaths if they had not seen Jesus come back in the flesh, right? And I, you gotta, if you, if you go out and you preach who would die for a lie, and you then see somebody have to give up their whole life, to be their authentic self, how are you going to believe that you believe that the disciples wouldn't die for a lie? Who's going to give up their whole life for a lie? Clearly, this must be a real thing. It's not a choice. It's not a, oh, I just wanted to. Right. A lot of people have sacrificed themselves in order to serve the church. Mm -hmm. And in that sacrifice, they've hurt hurt themselves beyond belief. Which circles back around to what Lauren says. If I I had the choice to be straight, like, I would be married with, like, six children right now. Like, I would be perfectly fine. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Because 
I don't I don't have any not issues. Even not even you know, yeah. Right. I don't <laughs> I have, have any kids. issues. I mean, I'm saying, you know, if I, if I had, like, if I if I could say, you know what, I picked this, like, based yeah. off of what, you know, society ostracizes me, if I don't, I would definitely choose to be with a man, like, you know, but it, that physically makes me sick, too. Agreed. Like, I love men. I don't, I don't have any issue with them. I think they're beautiful. I think, you know, you know, your male in this room is beautiful. I, I think they're awesome. But it's just not my, you know, it's just not, it's just not my, it's just not my preference. And I think yeah. that it's one of those things where, you know, some people are kind of forced to do that because they really want, like, overall, the other thing just makes them happier. Yeah. So they'll just be, I, like, I literally know people who've just been single their whole entire lives yeah. to, um, and, and, and for me, I would rather be single than to not be able to be with a woman. You know what I mean? Like, I would just rather be single my whole entire life. Because it does somebody, it does something to somebody if you, if, if you call, if you're Christian, but you're gay at the same time, but you're gay too, mm-hmm. right? And you have a, uh, you have a spouse mm-hmm. that you want to bring the church with you that wants to go to church with you or you all both go to church together you can't you can't love on each other like mm-hmm. like the other people do mm-hmm. and so like that or you have to leave them at home and especially think of if you're a minister mm-hmm. if you're a minister and you have a and you have a uh, you have a gay spouse at home mm-hmm. or you have well not gay spouse what? I'm fudging a whole bunch of words around <laughs> yeah, you, listen you've made listen you've got some good stuff going on you, <laughs> I just overlook it okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Thank, <laughs> thank you for your grace yeah yeah thank yeah, you for yeah, the yeah, grace yeah, yeah. It's, it's really difficult though I swallowed a lot you know it's, it's difficult not to say certain things and not to bring up certain things for sure because it's just these things are I mean these are our truths that we live every day you know but but yeah I feel sad like I have friends who Mormons call this a mixed orientation marriage like I have a, I have friends who one of them is gay and one of them is straight and they're married um and they're making it work like they believe in the Mormon church and so they want to be fully accepted in the Mormon church, but they're still gay. And I'm like, that just makes me sad. Can like, we get into, do, do they talk about the side A, side B thing? Is that like a, okay, so like once upon a time there was this like big uh, Christian website and they talked about side A and side B and like, I don't remember which one was which, but one is like being out and like actually like, you know, being gay in the world. And the other one is, is I'm gay, but I think that being gay is wrong and so I'm going to be celibate for my entire life. And they end up in things like mixed orientation marriages and et cetera, et cetera. And I'm just like, we're all trying to find some way of being right. And I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to down anybody. Like if it works for you, then it works for you. Right. And I'm not saying anything against my friends. Like they're very happy. It works for them. Great. But I'm like, I can't imagine being in a mixed orientation marriage right. like that. And to me, it feels like how can we bend over backwards to be as accepting of gay people without being accepting of gayness? To make other folks are. comfortable. Right. To make other folks comfortable. Right. It's like, but wouldn't the simpler thing to do just be say, well, why don't you go have a Nice, the same nice, happy, successful family you have, but with someone you are attracted to, mm-hmm. or somebody that you can genuinely love. And and but that, and that, and that goes back to like why people are stuck in these marriages and that don't mm-hmm. have where they're not being intimate and like and so their kids grow up not of understanding intimacy. I remember the first time I went, you know, when I used when I because me and whoever I date, I do like to date people who are believers. So I take I, I typically stray away from dating people who don't believe in anything. Mm-hmm. You don't have to necessarily believe in what I believe in, but I prefer you believe in something. So I've been to church with several people I've dated. And I know the first time someone like put their hand on my thigh at church, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> my girl, you know, this is why. <laughs> Like, 
right before I came to the studio, I went to church with my boyfriend for the first time. And I'm like, well, how do I walk? <laughs> yes. And so, and so now, like, I think it would be weird for me. Like, I wouldn't, it's just certain things I just, I just physically can't do just because it's just weird for me. And that's just my own thing because I do unfortunately care about who would think. But I don't think anything is wrong with, like, I have, now I am more comfortable like putting my hand around their chair or putting mm-hmm. my hand on their thigh because at the end of the day, I'm just laying. I lay on. I lean on my sister in church, you know, because I'm I'm just affectionate and loving, right? And that's just who I am as a person. So I think I don't want to strip myself of who I am as a person to make other people feel comfortable. But I do. I do know for a fact, like the first time it ever happened to me, I I just knew I was gonna burst into flame, like. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to slide my leg under her hand without her feeling rude. Like I was being rude. I was. It was. It was a terrible thing, you know. And I think it's because think certain things are engraved in me. Like even though in the back of my mind, I'm like, this is not wrong and it's okay. And she's literally just trying to let me know, oh, I'm here next to you. Like it was nothing serious, but in my mind, it was very serious, right? And so. Now that I'm more comfortable, I'm probably going to have a situation where I do that to someone else. They're going to be like, oh, crap, you know, <laughs> what is she doing? <laughs> right. So I want to ask a question about like this conversation, because I think this conversation, it sounds like would be useful for other people. Right. Like, I mean, I guess that's why we have these is because we think that they're useful for people. <clears throat> so in approaching this conversation outside of the one, two, three, four, five, okay, six of us, because I count, um, approaching it outside of, uh, of us and in, in other situations, what do you think other people, for example, people who are LGBTQ who want to broach this conversation with, you know, believers that clearly don't agree with their lifestyle like how do you broach it but but there we're also talking about because we're also talking about a perfect world which unfortunately we in fact don't live in but we're talking about a group of because I feel like and this is just me on all of these topics I don't enjoy having conversations with people who aren't really open to change because if you're not Mm -hmm. then why are we having the conversation right Right. we just we just came here to yell at each other and I'll have time for that so I'm not interested in that trying to talk to someone from the Westboro Baptist Church (laughs) (laughs) they're not about to change their minds so (laughs) so evolution is a thing for us all but um yeah no but so for people who are for example listening to this you know maybe maybe I am guilty of some of the things that they've said Maybe mm-hmm. I am guilty of being in church and maybe thinking these things, or maybe that is something that I often think, although I love them. I, I love my friends who are LGBTQ, but I still have these beliefs. But. I, I understand. <clears throat> I understand. Right. So, but I'm, but I'm saying they recognize that. Maybe I'm this person that has this belief. How do I, how do I bring this conversation to my friends who are LGBTQ that maybe I can learn, maybe that I can evolve, or vice versa? How does someone that is a member of the LGBTQ community say, okay, I feel like these are beliefs you've had. Maybe these aren't your beliefs, but this is my feeling. This is how I receive this. Is this a conversation we can have? Questions and conversation. I mean, uh, growth does not happen without either one of them. Mm-hmm. Like, if we, if we, if if you have somebody that sits in the library from, I mean, from the time they can start reading to the time they to the time they die, and they read all the books in the library. That means nothing unless they go out and experience some things to confirm what they've read, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So, like, if, so without that conversation, without that experience with other people, and 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 working out your issues, then then nothing can happen. Nothing good can happen. 
So when you come across somebody that that has, you know, a question, engage it gracefully. I mean, and when you and I'll give you an example um, of the of of a different of a different uh, situation. <clears throat> Back when you know uh, there was a girl who was uh, body slammed by a police up in uh, McKinney, right, uh, at a pool party. Um, a lot of pastors uh, around the area uh, got together and you know had led a prayer vigil protest at the police station at the police headquarters in McKinney, right. I got there early because <clears throat> I was on my way to my mom. I needed to go to my mom's house, and I wanted to get there early, and I didn't want to have to deal with traffic, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, I got there early, and there were two guys, a black guy and a white guy, already there um, who weren't part of the clergy circle or what have you, but one was holding the American flag, and the black guy was holding the Confederate flag. So I got, so right right when I got there, I saw it pulled up. I pulled up in my car and I parked my car. I was like, Lord Jesus. Call on him. <laughs> right. Because that's that moment. That's right. A, that's right. a moment. That's I, a moment. I don't know what I'm about to walk into, but I need your good graces right now. <laughs> and so, like, when I got out of the car and I approached them, they were like, oh, are you one of the ministers that's here to, you know, claim Black Lives Matter? It's like, well, I am a minister and I do believe Black Lives Matter. However, why would that be your opening line? Hi, how you, I'm Christian Watkins. You know, and I gauged them in conversation, and then I challenged them on the fact that, you know, it was a black guy that said that all lives matter. Yes, but we're talking about black lives right now because of the fact that a young girl who is emotionally and physically uh, assaulted by people, by people who were supposed to be protecting her, right? Serving and protecting, but they don't, but the police don't have that tagline anymore. You know, so like it, so your generalization is, is, is kind of, you know, narrow minded because of the fact that you're not willing to understand the other side of the other side of the issue. Yeah. And I think, I think it just, you, that's why you have, everybody needs, needs to take, take baby steps, right? Right. So, you know, stop assuming things, right? right? Um, be able to so, ask questions. And, and be able to ask questions. And Don't listen. feel, and feel comfortable. I think feel comfortable asking the questions too, right? Don't assume things. Feel comfortable asking the questions. Listen more than you speak oh, right. or whatever, and and I and I won't lie. I have a hard time with that too. I have to like say to myself, okay, Hold like up. what percentage? You know, sometimes if you have to force yourself to do things, it's okay. Mm-hmm. What percentage am I listening versus am I talking? And I think, um, so you know, and and respecting other people, right? Just, I mean, I feel like that would solve so many problems if you just respected other people and and respected their opinions, whether you agree or disagree, right? right. It doesn't matter. And at the end of that, I mean, at the end of that exchange, there we got to talking. We had some, you know, we. Shared some. I, t- I told him some things about you know conservatives and and whatnot. I told him things about liberals and and we we talked about you know the hot topics of that particular issue of police brutality. And at the end of the story, you know, uh, when we got done with our conversation, they put their flags away and joined the group of pastors that were protesting and praying about police brutality. It was a good day. Yeah, and I think sometimes it's just about being kind to other people, right? Just in general. Mm-hmm. Like, if you know you're doing something that makes someone uncomfortable, um, you know, even as a person who is LGBTQ, I don't always understand, you know, why people have their pronouns and all of this other thing. I don't always understand that, right? Or I, or I didn't start out understanding that, but I just still have to respect them. Mm-hmm. I still have to be kind to them. And being by being kind to them, I'm going to treat them how they want to be treated and how they've asked to be treated. And I think sometimes... 
we have to also learn not to get so offended. And I won't say that I am doing this well. I definitely am the pot calling the kettle black because I get so offended. But I think if we work on not, and a pastor actually said this and made me realize this, like people get so offended by everything that, you know, everything is offensive. You know, anything that you say that they don't agree with or like is offensive. And I think learning that that's not the case. And sometimes people are not intentionally trying to offend you um, or even just believing that whether it's true or not, right? That can help you and that can help someone else because mm-hmm. then you'll be more open to have that kind of dialogue with them to explain mm-hmm. um, instead of you just being like, well, I'm offended so I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Okay. About uh, Just with the Black Lives Matter thing, like I had to learn to sit back and shut up. Like this is not my discussion. I need to lift up the black voices, but this is not my, like mm-hmm. I need to support my are the community but it's i need to fight with the community but it's not my struggle and so my voice doesn't matter in this like that i need to be an ally and Mm -hmm. and and i think that even within the lgbtq community like so many straight people are like well we're allies but sometimes you need to sit down and shut up like yeah a lot of people don't understand what true allyship is and that means coming alongside somebody and if they're different from you or they have a different perspective you gotta you gotta let them speak right Janelle is over here laughing because this is another future episode of Echoes it is and we've actually talked about that one that one you do know (laughs) we've talked about that one yeah 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 what were you gonna say yeah go ahead oh I, I was I was gonna say relative to the to the idea of not being offended by everything, yes. But I would say I would ask for everybody to remember the humanity of everyone involved. And like remember that when you're asked someone to explain to you why they're a human, you are A, asking a lot, and B, when you grant, when you grant that request and you will explain to someone that you are a human and here's the reasons why, that's an incredibly generous thing to do already. Just to like have that conversation, and and also to understand that we, it's important both to understand that you are being generous, you are doing more than you strictly have to do to do that. But at the same time, we have an obligation to be generous. Like especially if we're talking about a, a Christian, right? I think it is a profoundly Christian act to do what you did, right? To like, well, first I'm going to reassert that I'm a human and you're a human. Hi, my name is Christian. My name is not liberal. Black Lives Matter. Right. <laughs> right. Reasserted that humanity, then to have the generosity to to explain, like, no, Black Lives really do matter, and here's why. Blah blah blah. That is. Both above and beyond and an obligation at the same time. Because that's what Christianity is. It's a bunch of above and beyond, which is also your That's what Christ did. That's that's right. what Christ did. Whenever you see Christ interacting with anybody, he always he always affirmed their humanity and then also asked some questions in the yeah. process. And and I think people forget that too, that he definitely met people where they were a lot, right? Right. Yes. Like, you know, people tell a story about the woman in the well a lot and just I mean, just all of these different things. Because so, Jesus yeah, being a, a good Jew um, didn't have to talk to that woman. He wasn't supposed to talk to that. He wasn't even supposed to be anywhere around that woman. He met people where they were. Like even when uh, even when the, the child was sick or whatever and he had to go to her and a crowd of people so I was like, Okay, I'm gonna get to it. You right. know, like I'm gonna I'm gonna meet you where you are and I think a lot of times we kind of 
forget. Like at the end of the day, all of us are, you know, are flawed mm-hmm. <laughs> and none of us are perfect. Right. And so, um, and even if you believe that my sin is worse than yours, right? Even if that's just something you just cannot erase from your memory or erase from your, what's engraved in you at the end of the day, that shouldn't matter more than the end of the fact that you're still not perfect at the end of the day. Right. You know what I mean? You're not Jesus. You're not the savior. Yeah. So it's just that it is what it is. Even if Jesus was here, I don't think Jesus was going to be hanging out with the people at the church. He's going to be finding those of us who feel disenfranchised from the church. Right. He's going to be what, like, okay, what can I do to bring you back? Well, that's what he did in the Bible. He exactly. told, he told like, the Pharisee, he, like, y'all are a brood of vipers. Yeah, y'all no, are not, killing like, people. Exactly. So he's not going to yeah. be in the church. He's going to be like, all right, right. What, what can I do for you? Right. So I always hate this part because it's always like at the height of like people are like really, but like it's the end of a podcast. got to like find a way to wrap it up, which right. kind of blows. Can we have a part two? Yeah, you, we probably need to. At the end, of course, we always do, uh, for those of you who are new, at the end, we always go around and do a leave and a takeaway. What would you like to leave people with? And what are you taking away from this conversation? And so um, I'm going to go first with only my takeaway um, because I have nothing to leave in my conversation. I'm here to learn. And so my takeaway... Um, was about uh, meeting people where they are, which I am familiar with that concept and that thought, but the the addition that I heard today was that there's no room for self-doubt in that process, that you have to come to someone, um, and I don't want to say no room, but perhaps, perhaps I want to say you have to be a little bit more confident, know where you are when you meet someone where they are, um, and then be able to kind of, like you have a a little bit more solid foundation for how you're meeting someone. If you if you have a little bit more self confidence and you meet someone where they are, and I think that's also a healthier way from what I'm understanding. Like that's also a healthier way because you know a little bit more about where you stand, um, which means that it's a lot easier to be challenged. I feel like a lot of times when people fight back, it's because they don't know, and so I don't know if that's maybe that that protesting too much thing, right? If, if like, maybe maybe that's where the fight comes from. But I think that's, I, I'm, I'm taking that and I'm chewing on that. And I'm not really sure if I'm done with that thought process, but I think that that is what I took away is like really identifying what I believe and meeting someone where they are and then being open to what whatever um, growth can happen from that moment. My main takeaway is that we're all... Regardless of our station in life, regardless of what our doctorate, what's indoctrinated with us and, and, and what our stances are, whether they're, uh, conservative or liberal, whether they are LGBT plus affirming or, or, condi- or condemning, we're all looking to be loved and affirmed. And we're all looking for some kind of truth that we can hold on to. The thing I leave, the, what I leave with us is to keep looking, keep searching. Keep asking questions. Keep listening. Keep listening. Keep listening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I noticed you said that more times than you said asking questions. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. And then there's a reason for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just keep trying to learn how to love unconditionally. Because mm-hmm. once we get past, once we get past our own issues, to be able to see others for who they are. Um, to meet people where they are, um, to meet people as as where they are, then 
that will be the open door for growth and prosperity in the world. And as as we've been reminded all uh, all this Lenten season in the Christian tradition that grace God's grace is sufficient and it's abundant, unmerited, given to us unmeritedly. There's enough to go around, and we should be spreading that around as well. For sure. Peace out, y'all. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I think um, my take takeaway is that. Because I think sometimes we all forget that everybody has a story, you know, like Lauren's story is different from my story, her story is different from my story. Um, so, you know, be open to listen to people's story and also be able to overcome, you know, your hurt from your, mm. your, your story. Like, I think overcoming hurt so that you're not continually stuck is going to be really necessary for you to move on and also for you to even be kind to other people because you're just sometimes you're so hurt and so angry that you can't really be kind to other people so i think that's kind of my takeaway is to let go of some of that hurt and then i think to leave everybody with just be kind to others in whatever way you can be kind and respectful to others even if you don't agree with them even if you don't like them you know be kind and be respectful um, as much as possible so I just wanted to say, actually, thank you to you, Janelle, for having this conversation. Um, and it's been one of my favorite conversations. And I love that I'm in a room with other LGBTQ people having a conversation about LGBTQ and religion. Because I feel like so much of the time, it's straight people talking about LGBTQ issues <laughs> and religion. And so it's nice to have those of us on this side of the issue be able to talk about it and not... Like, oh, wait, can I say something? Like, we should... They're going to talk about me like I'm not in a room. Right. We should be the ones leading this issue, not standing back and having other people lead this issue. And so thank you. Um, And like Trish said, just listening. And, I mean, Christian said that too. Like, that's the most important thing. I'm going to continue to learn things from my peers and my allies, like, by asking questions and learning and listening. Okay, so I have entirely too much to leave and take away, but I'm doing it real quick. Okay. Hey, uh, takeaway, uh, shouts to our host, Janelle, who was really doing, like, y'all, she called me, or we called each other before the uh, podcast, and she was like, she seemed all worried about it. Like, I was like, well, Janelle, are you going to ask us if, if, if the gays are, are I don't, uh, what, I, what, why are we so concerned? Uh, but I do want to say that I really appreciate it. I think it's, um, my takeaway is this is a good model of, you know, how to moderate a conversation that's something that you aren't a part of. And, I mean, working on this podcast with you, there will probably be an opportunity for me to moderate something that I don't know anything about, <laughs> where I need to be quiet and ask questions. And so, you know, I thought that you did a fantastic job of modeling that. So that's takeaway number one. Takeaway number two is from Kristen. I did not know that there was an option at the United Methodist Church Council that happened that. of just, like, just take the one about homosexuality is bad out. Just delete it from the book. Simple, no, I didn't know the that. simple plan, the, tradi- the traditionalist plan, and the one church plan. Right. But the simple, you know what? I, and there were some, there were some others that were presented, but they right. never were considered. Right. And but I just like I read that whole New York Times article, and I don't even remember them mentioning the simple plan. Anyway. Yeah. 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 So do better. That's my lead. That's why you should go directly to the source to the UMC website and then find out. Yeah, no, yeah. But, uh, exactly. No, takeaway number three. Go to the website. <laughs> um, I would say that um, my leave, I'm first just going to give, I might get a little bit of trouble for this, I'm going to give a quick shout out to Church Clarity. It's a website that was um, actually partially started by a friend of mine from school. Um, and it's just asking churches, please be clear on your website about what's your LGBTQ policy. Mm-hmm. 
And if it is, hey, we welcome LGBTQ people to come, but we would not perform an LGBTQ wedding, that's the level of affirming we're at. Well, queer people need to know that. And maybe that means that I might watch your church on the internet, but I might, you might not be where I put my tithe or something like that. Mm. Queer people deserve to know where you stand. Mm. Um, and then on a related note, um, my other leave is just, um, and it's really just off of something y'all just said like two seconds ago of don't talk about us like we're not in the room. Please, and this is this is my sermon to everybody, but everybody is in the room. We live in a digital connected age. Everybody's listening to you. If you think that when you are, you know, ragging on Muslims, there's no Muslims listening to you, you're wrong. Muslims are listening. If you think when you're ragging on queer people, there's no queer people listening to you, you're wrong. So I would say that especially to people in the church. You were just talking about you are watching these church services online. You might not, you, you can look out from the pulpit as a pastor, you may not see a bunch of queer people holding hands because we think will burst into flames if we do that in church. <laughs> <laughs> you might not see us, but we are listening to you. And so just know that we're in the room. Know that we're, you know, even if you think about it like we're in the room, then maybe you won't make the mistake that so many people have made, including uh, several prominent gospel music figures, where they just want to go off about gay people like no gay people are listening. What? First off, gay people are listening from like the piano right now, but we can skip that part. <laughs> and, and the doors of the church might not be open because there's a gay person on the door. Please speak in a way where you acknowledge that we're there. <laughs> Even if you cannot come from an affirming place, come from a loving place, mm -hmm. because we are listening to you. We are there. Mm -hmm. And don't just like, oh, I don't see none, so... Nah, I heard what they said about gay people. You know they have horns. Like, no, fam. <laughs> just... <laughs> Speak like we're speak like we're there. Speak respectfully. Um, speak like you're talking to another human, even if it's a human you disagree with, even if it's from a pulpit in a place of authority. Don't believe. Don't always believe the hype. Don't in all those stereotypes too. Right. Like maybe meet some of us, even if you. Yeah, you know what? That's my last leave. Go meet a gay person. <laughs> no, I <laughs> pastor in America. Go meet a gay person. Shaking hands with a gay person, you're not going to catch it. Right. It's not <laughs> contagious. It's not contagious. It's not cooties. <laughs> you might get some glitter on you. Though. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, if you get glitter on you, that's the right kind of gay person. Keep talking to them. That's a good pick. Thanks so much for listening. I'm so glad that you guys came and had this conversation. I wish we could keep talking because there are like 19 billion other questions as per usual. This conversation has been awesome and I appreciate you all. Um, I mean, especially because of the conversation that uh, we were having about the, about churches, about church hurt and that kind of thing. I would, um, and, and that you watch church online, you really haven't found a church home here in Dallas area, have you? No? Yes, no? Not particularly. Not really. but, uh, but yeah. <laughs> and, and I would say uh, check out the Cosmopolitan Cos uh, Cos Cosmopolitan Congregation of oh, Dallas. Yeah. I've heard of them. Will Horn, awesome pastor, and he's also just written a book that that has helped me out a lot and has helped some fo other folk out too. It's called The Handbook: A Quick Conversation Guide to What the Bible Does and Does Not Say About Homosexuality. Now he does not. He says that. I mean, he basically says that you know that's not all that the Bible says, but it's supposed to start conversations. Mm -hmm. And that's the only way that we can progress as a people is if we keep talking. So on that note, create hope, forge a path, and change the world. We'll see you next episode. Amen. Echoes on Air is interactive. And what that means is we want you to send us your comments and your thoughts. So make sure you email us at echoes at echoesofthestruggle.com. And that's echoes, E-C-H-O-E-S. 
Echoes Media thanks Essentials by Ebony for its sponsorship of Echoes On Air Live. For personalized tumblers and artisan soaps, go to Essentials by Ebony.